Welcome to the first annual MCU Awards presented by Infinity Watchers. I'm Jared, joined as always by John, and we're here to we're here to recap our uh, all of 2021 in the MCU. You know, next year we should do this from a Chili's. We should. <laughs> the Infinities. Uh, the Infinities. There we go. I was trying to think of a good of a good award name or the for this. Watchies. So I don't these, know. The Watchies. No, I like the Infinities. We're gonna call these the Infinities. <laughs> So the first annual Infinity Awards, uh, presented by Infinity Watchers, <laughs> yours truly, Jared and John. Uh, so 2021 overall was a pretty great year for the MCU, even given all of the uh, the struggles of the of the pandemic and just everything that that the productions had to deal with in order to get all of the stuff off the ground. Yeah, I mean, even taking all of that into account, it's a great time to be a Marvel fan. <laughs> yes. I mean, as you and I kind of narrowed our list down for some of the awards that we have earlier today, and there is just so much to talk about that has happened in the MCU this year. It's just wild. Absolutely wild. And I guess speaking, uh, before we get into the awards, I guess speaking of wild things that are that are coming out uh, or that have happened, uh, we, got the, we got the Moon Knight trailer that dropped uh, about a week or so ago, and uh, just before we get into the awards, I wanted to get your thoughts on what you think and how this looks, general thoughts, feelings, concerns. I think it looks really, really good. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I'm super excited for this. I've really liked everything I've read from Moon Knight in the comics. I've always been a fan of the character, just kind of conceptually, even mm-hmm. back to, uh, I think my first introduction to the character was actually through the old uh, Marvel Ultimate Alliance games. It okay. was like one of my mainstay characters back in the day mm-hmm. playing that. So I, I, I've i always liked the character. Um, didn't really understand the complexities that came with the character until I read the comics and, you know, mm-hmm. the whole multi-personality, um, disassociative identity disorder type thing that just brings so much uniqueness to the character. And this surprised me because they are going all in on that aspect of the character. I mean, to the point where in this trailer, he is just outright having breakdowns, not understanding what's reality, seeing um, it looks like Egyptian gods and monsters. And mm-hmm. I, I just really am excited to see them delve into something like that because it's nothing we've seen before. And a lot of people like to compare this character, um, at least one of his identities, to like a Bruce Wayne or a Batman. Mm-hmm. Right, like he has that the Mark Specter like mercenary identity, and and it's a little similar to like a rich boy, you know, kind of kind of like Batman. Like you know, he fights crime at night. He has the the boomerangs that are shaped like his main symbol. Like, mm-hmm. but it it really breaks it out from that by giving this completely unique angle um, that I'm really really happy they're leaning into in this show. Yeah, and when when you and I had kind of previewed our phase, what we wanted to see from Phase Four, and we talked about Moon Knight, I remember us talking about like how crazy this show could be, and it would only work if they go all in on the idea of uh, Mark having the multiple personalities, and like doing it in a very not doing it in a comedic way, but mm-hmm. just doing it for a very strong dramatic effect, and um. I, like you said, going all in on the on this concept is the only way it would work. And I think this, I hopefully, I say this, I think I say this every time a new 
entry comes out, but I hope this is one of the best entries the MCU has to offer yet. It looks very unique. Um, Oster Eyes looks fantastic in it. I um, mean, you can't do this type of show without a lead that's the caliber of an Oscar Isaac, right? Like no. he, he looks to be just absolutely perfect. And he's is like recognizable and as distinctive as he is as an actor. He's almost like a chameleon in some of his parts, you know, oh, yeah. like ex machina. Uh, the character he plays there is vastly different from anything else he's played. Um, uh, the card counter uh, just came out last year was another one of those. Mm hmm. Um, where he's nothing like he was in, say, I don't know, X-Men Apocalypse. But anyway, oh, no. that's, a, that's a different story for a different day. Um, but it, it's good to see him in, 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 well, I mean, it's good to see him in a, in a Marvel property that's actually good. Um, and you can actually see and understand his fa- him and his face. But I'm curious to see how well they play this character up. Um, I'm not too familiar with the comics history of Moon Knight, uh, we're going to do a preview on on the character, obviously, before the show comes out. Um, you had sent me a few issues of the Warren Ellis run to read in order to get ready for the preview we're going to do in a few weeks on Moon Knight. And I'm, I'm excited to dive into it. Yeah, it's it's really good. I mean, it, it's very graphic um, in a way that I don't think the MCU property is going to get to just because this is... Mm-hmm. Disney Plus thing, after all, you know, I don't expect it to be as bloody and brutal as even the Netflix series got at times, right? But this does get kind of close to that tone that we saw with Daredevil. You know, it is, it's darker, it's more brutal, um, there's kind of a brooding tone to it. Um, but, I mean, the 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 idea of Moon Knight Wait, te- and this character... You're telling me Warren Ellis did a graphic, graphic novel? What? <laughs> <laughs> with the character i mean you can flip tones because he is a different person Mm -hmm. with each of these personalities and it's interesting because it looks like they're taking the route of like the the primary moon knight personality is mark specter who's like the mercenary Mm -hmm. um i think that is his original identity that he was born with i don't i don't fully know comics are weird they kind of retcon stuff like that all the time (laughs) but i think the mark specter is the the primary identity and it seems like they're going with no he's um i think jake loxley is the name of the character that it seems like he is now he's just kind of like a cab cab driver um and in london like that Mm -hmm. that is the personality he's living now and he's finding out about his like mercenary past (laughs) so it it seems like it's a really interesting kind of like a rediscovery of things right. and I, I think that's gonna be a really really unique kind of way to tackle it. Now there are problems that can come with doing a story like that where you're almost dealing with like memory loss. I mean, mm-hmm. you and I are pretty critical of the way that Captain Marvel was handled in that first movie, right? With mm-hmm. the the memory loss plot kind of muddying us being able to understand who that character is. Mm-hmm. But with Moon Knight, that's kind of the foundation of the character. You don't really right. understand who he is because he doesn't understand who he is. Right. So it's really exciting. I think when it comes to Captain Marvel, that just speaks to more of the the muddled history of the comic book origin of that character, of mm-hmm. Carol Danvers, and the title of Captain Marvel. How uh, complicated and the legal history behind using that name. It, it, it kind of speaks to... The, the complications that character has had in comics history. This, as you're saying, is more of a, a characteristic of the character themselves. Mm-hmm. 
Yep. So so I think I think there is a pretty distinct difference there. And I'm uh, I'm also really interested to see what they do with Ethan Hawke in this. Um, it seems like he's playing some sort of cult leader, which is re- it, it. It's very creepy. <laughs> when doesn't he play creepy? Well, yeah. Um. So I'm really, really excited to see what what they have in store for him because I, I feel like we haven't really seen the the half of what this show's actually about. Um. Plus the, I mean, the costume just looks amazing. Like the mm-hmm. mummy wrap style and watching it kind of form around him. Oh, yeah. Really good. <laughs> really good. Yeah. I, I feel like that if they would have gone with an extremely comics accurate suit in this and uniform in this, it would kind of look kind of, it would look kind of goofy, that bright white. Mm-hmm. I liked that they, they darkened it and made it into like pretty, pretty obvious that they're mummy wraps that he's in and, um, He's he has the glowing eyes now, um, <laughs> so I it lo- he looks like a, he looks like a ghost really. Yeah, when it comes down to it, mm-hmm. yeah, definitely. And, and that's uh, from what I can tell, that's what the character is meant to be. At least the the outfit is meant to be in the comics, but it's it's easier to to draw a ghost white than to draw them gray. Yeah, yeah, and it definitely they're definitely leaning into some of the supernatural elements too. Mm-hmm. I mean, we see him what looks like punching a werewolf at one point or something. Yeah. I'm not or an, like an Anubis type creature. So, right. I mean, that is just another kind of point towards the midnight suns, which we keep talking about, just like we talk about young Avengers and just like we talk about Thunderbolts in every episode we do. Um, <laughs> the midnight suns are our new, our new Thunderbolts. It's our new North yeah, star. Really. <laughs> we're getting off the thunderbolts now we're heading straight for midnight sun yeah but it, it uh, i'm just really excited for this it it's it's interesting from the aspect of like you know being interested in the character himself but also this is the first disney plus series that's based on a new character that we have not yeah. seen before so you know, we haven't seen them tackle that kind of fresh slate on Disney Plus yet. So that's exciting, too, from that perspective. Yeah. Um, and that's basically all we're getting this year for Disney Plus is new stuff. I mean, Moon Knight, Miss Marvel, She-Hulk, maybe Secret Invasion. Uh, and that's probably it. But yeah, I mean, outside of, you know, I, you can make an argument for what if because it did introduce a few characters like the Watcher. But for the most part, yeah. But was, that's still rehashing a lot of yeah. phases one through three, and putting them, putting using those stories and putting them in different scenarios. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, yeah, I think you're right that it it actually feels now that you put it in that perspective, it feels kind of refreshing to get a brand new character, yeah, um, in or on or out of it and a series out of them. Uh, I know that was one of my high praises for Sean Chi that it was a brand new character that introduce us to this whole new realm of the MCU um, and introducing Tallow and like how that world works. So I'm curious that they're going to play out and build out more of the mystic and um, encrypted elements of the, of the Marvel cinematic universe now. Yep. And I mean, this also, if it follows a one week, one episode schedule, and it's six episodes. I think that's already been confirmed. But if it follows, you know, the typical week after week schedule, it will wrap up one day before Multiverse of Madness hits theaters. <laughs> <laughs> and with Doctor Strange being kind of a prominent member of the Midnight Suns and dealing in the mystical um, 
in in some of his uh, comic stories. I would not be surprised if there's uh, some kind of stinger in Multiverse of Madness that points toward the Midnight Suns a little bit. Even if it's not, you know, Moon Knight directly, maybe there's some kind of connection between Moon Knight and Strange and Blade. Yeah, it could. It very well could be Blade. That's kind of what I'm thinking too, but didn't want to say that part out loud. <laughs> but yeah, mm-hmm. we'll have time for Blade during the Infinities. Yeah, yeah, that we will. So we should probably just dive right into <laughs> yeah, the Infinities. We'll, we'll have more on Moon Knight in a couple weeks. Um, so we have a couple categories listed here. Let me just run through the categories themselves. Uh, we have best lead actor, best fight scene. Best line, biggest laugh, the Fury Award, which is for our best cameo, uh, the best Easter egg, best supporting actor, best direction, best screenplay, uh, our pitch for the most anticipated of 2022, best series, and best picture. So we've narrowed each category down to between two to five contenders, and uh, we'll be battling it out to decide <laughs> who's the winner live on air. So, with that said, let's dive into round one and best lead actor. So, uh, we have, just for just, uh, just so everyone's aware, we did combine series and uh, movies in these categories. Um, so, we do have Elizabeth Olsen for WandaVision, Tom Hiddleston for Loki, Simu Liu for Shang-Chi, Tom Holland for Spider-Man No Way Home, and Haley Steinfeld for Hawkeye. Where would you like to begin with this? Uh, well, first, I'd like to say, like, our criteria for lead actor is, are they the title character of the show, right? So mm-hmm. for WandaVision, it was Elizabeth Olsen and Paul Bettany both. Um, right. You know, for Shang-Chi, obviously, it was Shang-Chi. Um, for Eternals, because it was more of an ensemble, we did kind of select our pick uh, from that for con- consideration. Ultimately, she didn't make the top five, but it was Gemma Chan. Right. Um, so, just wanted wanted to throw that out there to give some clarity on how we how we chose our pool of uh, quote unquote leads. Mm-hmm. So, uh, where to even start with this? <laughs> that is a that is a top five. <laughs> um, I mean my my recency bias has been pushing me towards Tom Holland pretty hard for this. Really? Um, he was so good in No Way Home he just elevated the performance of everyone in that movie who did excellent in their own merits, but you know, he was, he was incredible. Um, so he's up there for me. And I, I think the other one that would be up there would be Elizabeth Olsen. Okay. Um, just because the amount of different roles she had to play <laughs> and you no, know, she was, she was right in line with Catherine Hahn, right. Who we will talk about mm-hmm. later, um, for a different category, but, you know, in having to jump between all of these different personas and different eras. Um, and you could tell she studied her craft and understanding how she needed to act for each different era. Um, and then to pull it all together in, in kind of the finale and, you know, showing her true nature as the Scarlet Witch was really, really cool. And I thought Elizabeth Olsen did a, a great job, not to mention carrying one of the, the most, intense and emotionally resonant pieces of MCU content this year yeah. with the um, previously on episode of WandaVision. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was all completely focused on her and her dealing with grief. And I thought she just did a really, really amazing job. 
Right. So I'm I'm going to agree with you on on Elizabeth Olsen for all the reasons you you just listed and and like you said she carried probably the one of the weightiest character arts we've seen in the MCU. This is also the first chance that we've seen her get to get to work with this character and develop uh, um, Wanda into a full blown character yeah. as opposed to being a side a side character in one of the larger uh, Avengers entries. Um, I would have to say instead of in place of your Tom Holland, Simu Liu is probably my other choice because I okay. mean that guy was a, an absolute freaking breakout star because of this. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I, I genuinely can't think of anybody else I would want in the Sean Chi role. I just rewatched it uh, like two weeks ago and we're going to discuss, we're going to discuss it a little bit later and uh, in a few weeks as well. But um, I, I mean, he developed this entire, this brand new character for the MCU based off of a seventies Kung Fu cult hero that nobody knew about. And now is basically a household name. So mm-hmm. it, to me, like he embodied this role extremely well. Um, I really can't find any faults in his performance. His character arc or Sean Chi's character arc is one of the most fascinating I've seen in the MCU of him. Not necessarily having to deal with his father, but having to deal with, or his father's legacy, like other uh, like other MCU heroes have to deal with. But in this sense, deal with his father's trauma and how his, his how generational trauma affects him. So I think, I think it comes down to, from the sound of it, it's coming down to Tom Holland, Simu Liu, and Elizabeth Olsen. Yeah, and I mean, I'm willing to concede on Tom Holland. Um, you know, I think I talked myself into Elizabeth Olsen being my number one pick. Um, but, you know, I'm willing to to hear you out some more on, on Simu because he was incredible um, and carried a, a lot of that movie. Mm-hmm. And I know I said that for Tom Holland too, but it's not, um, I don't mean that in a way to say that those surrounding him didn't play their own part and hold their own weight. Right, I just think he did embody Shang Chi in a way that you know we we kind of saw with uh, Chadwick Boseman, you know, as T'Challa. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Right. So, just to me, it it is on on the same level as Chadwick Boseman, and and in our review and in our preview, we did talk about like the the troublesome history and the comments with that character and that this version of that character is more of a, a millennial take on him, and how it's basically a renewed version of the character of Sean Chi um, that I, I, I just can't get it out of my mind as being one of the best entries in the MCU to yeah. date because of it. Um, so that's why I'm, I'm down to both Simu and Elizabeth. Hmm. That's, That's such a tough decision. It's, it's very tough. I mean, I my almost, my thoughts are to go with Elizabeth Olsen just because she had to play so many parts in that series. That's and another like her, her, fair. Her ability to flip, like in that one, the one scene that really sticks out for me outside of that previously on episode is when when Monica, I can't remember what her, her name is in the hex, but her character is starting to kind of remember things. And Wanda just flips to intimidating as soon as she mentions like Ultron and Pietro, like, like Wanda just completely just flips, and 
it's scary. Like when she's intimidating, yeah. she is intimidating. And, and when she's like the kindly mother, she just feels like she was ripped directly out of Full House or something. R.I.P. Bob Saget. Yeah, right. Um, but yeah, I almost want to give it to Elizabeth Olsen also just based on the fact that you and I both put her in the top yeah. two. <laughs> like without even thinking, we both said Elizabeth Olsen. Yeah. Um, for various reasons. And I mean, the rest of them. And when, when we say Tom Hiddleston, too, uh, we're also including Sophia DiMartino in that. Mm-hmm. Uh, right before we started recording, we started debating <laughs> whether or not to include her in Best Lead Actor or Supporting Actor. Um, she's been kind of, she's been labeled as both a co-lead and a, and a supporting actor. It, it's very hard to distinguish. Um, but I would say that Hiddleston and DiMartino both together were absolutely fantastic. Um, their chemistry was off the charts with each other. Um, and Haley Steinfeld, as great as she was in Hawkeye, I just want to see more of her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just give, a... her more, give her more time. That was an introduction to that character in that role. Yeah. As great as she was, I, I just want more of her until, and watch her develop into that character more. Yeah. And I think I think the top five is the right place for her performance there. Like, I loved it. want to see more. Maybe wasn't as completely standout as some of the others we listed here. So, just based off of our of us discussing it, I almost I, we have to give it to Elizabeth Olsen. Yeah, I, think. I think I think so. I mean that that is a performance I can. I mean, all of these I can go back and revisit because it's the MCU, and that's what we do here at the Infinity Watchers headquarters. <laughs> but <laughs> that one especially, like. Just there might be a little bit of nostalgia just kind of even looking back a year because that was the first MCU content we had in so long. And it was it just felt so good to watch the MCU again. Right. Well, I mean, <laughs> like to be in, fair, also, she was nominated for Emmys for that. Yeah. Performance. Mm-hmm. And I think Golden Globes as well. But anyway, she's she's been recognized for that for that yep. show. Yeah, so I mean, I'm I'm good with going with Elizabeth Olsen. Okay, so best lead actor is Elizabeth Olsen for WandaVision. Our next category is best fight scene, and we have three nominees here. We have WandaVision. We have the Vision versus Vision fight from the finale. Mm-hmm. We have Sean Chi. We have the Sean Chi versus Wen Wu final fight, and then from No Way Home, we have the final. Spider-Man and Green Goblin fight on Captain America's shield. Yeah. And there are there are a couple I want to give an honorable mention to. Yeah. Um before we proceed and uh, one of them is Falcon and Bucky versus John Walker in the warehouse. That oh, yeah. was that was just an absolutely brutal fight. Um and it really just a lot of emotional weight in that one. Um all of the 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 three Lokis versus Elioth in <laughs> <laughs> that was extremely cool um and richard e grant's performance there was just absolutely legendary for that one one episode that he was in yeah um and then the third one is the um yelena versus clint and clinton kate versus the tracksuit mafia at rockefeller um just those two scenes together back to back was something special but ultimately you know we had to narrow this category down um and we had a Tough time, but we narrowed it down to our top three, as you as you just said. Yeah, yeah. And thinking about it, we probably should have put the Loki 
fight in there as well. But, uh, boy, yeah, I'm looking back on it. We probably should have. But I I don't know. Personally, out of the three of these, i got to go with the No Way Home fight. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I love the Shang-Chi and Wen Wu, Wu fight. And even going back and rewatching Shang-Chi like two weeks ago, I still love that dynamic between them that there are a lot of personal states and family drama in that battle between them mm-hmm. it's not it does turn into a giant cgi battle but they're literally fighting with the tools that his father uses mm-hmm. <clears throat> um there i mean there's a lot of depth to that fight and the vision versus vision <laughs> my only my only problem sorry to backtrack here for a second the only problem i have with that final fight is that it's too short. It's cut. It's cut pretty short. Yeah. I, I almost could have used like another five or 10 minutes of it. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I mean, it's kind of like the, the second half of the fight. I think that's why cause yeah. we had them fight before and Shang-Chi loses. And right. Um, for me, it, like those, those two that you've mentioned so far, the Shang-Chi versus Wenwu and, and um, Tom Holland versus Gabi. They're very similar, right? Like they come at mm-hmm. the end of, kind of the bigger army type battle. Um, but it's mono mono like you versus me. We have serious emotional beef and like it, everything led to that moment in both of those movies. It's the end of a character arc for both of them. Yeah, right. But then when it comes to the vision v vision fight, that was such a cool and interesting idea to have just these two recite the ship of Theseus. I mean, it's it is pretty much how a vision fight would go. That was pro. It's probably the most original thing I've seen in the MCU in a while. <laughs> yeah, I mean that that's why we have it here, right? Is the yeah. conclusion because <laughs> it's like, oh, they're gonna just fight with logic and basically debate each other. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. I guess that makes <laughs> sense. Checks out. <laughs> and I mean that while that doesn't have a, a necessarily a care, well, it does kind of have a like we said with um the spidey and goblin fight and shan chi and one it does still have some thematic weight and some and some weight to that character in the sense that the vision the two visions one's real and one's just a figment a creation of wanda's imagination so right there, it, there does play into this whole reality versus fiction mm-hmm. theme that that that's played up during the show. So it does still carry a lot of thematic weight. Right. Um, so I, I just, me personally, I, I still have to go with the no way home fight because it's just I'm absolutely you. brutal um, to see Holland Spider-Man and, and Defoe's goblin just go at each other and literally almost kill each other in various instances. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, it looked like they weren't, I, I understand fight choreography is a thing, but at points it didn't look like they were holding back from each other. Yeah. And right. It was brutal. There, it was very brutal. There are a lot of emotional states. Um, having McGuire's Peter jump in at the last minute to like kind of solidify the character arc works for me. And I just, uh, there's a lot about it. I like more than the other two. Mm-hmm. Yep. I'm, I'm definitely on board with that. I think that was the, the standout fight in the MCU this year. <laughs> All right. So best fight scene goes to the Spider-Man and Gro- Green Goblin fight on Captain America's shield from No Way Home. Fantastic. So for best line, we have three nominees here. 
we have, with great power, there must also come great responsibility from Mae Parker from Spider-Man No Way Home. We have Richard E. Grant's classic Loki shouting, Glorious Purpose from Loki. And we have What is Grief But Love Persevering from Vision, from WandaVision. So, uh, for me, right off the bat, it's great power, must call him great responsibility. Um, but the other two, I think we're they're really good. Um, the the WandaVision line was kind of ruined for me by the internet because it became a meme after yeah. that because people, someone called it like, uh, I, I think someone pointed to it and was like, all other screenwriters in Hollywood are shaking and angry yeah. that they didn't come up with this line. And then like people were quote tweeting that with other lines that were similar in other movies, like very similar. Oh. Um, but I, I still do really <laughs> like that line because it, I mean, it means a lot to Wanda because she just has nothing but grief. She loses everyone she loves. And that's kind of just what she's doomed to do. Right. Like, I mean, she it loses is vision like three times. Line in a, yeah, right. Yeah. That's what I mean. I think it, it works. I mean, it's fan. It, let's say it's fantastic advice, but it is it is great advice. Too. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Just in everyday use. Uh-huh. I, I know you said that it was kind of meme to death, so I'm I'm, I'm I don't want daughter points for that, but I get where you're coming from. Um, but yeah, given the context of of it in the show. Like you said, it, it works very well. Mm-hmm. Um, the whole with great power, there must also come great responsibility. I'm coming around on that because of what you and I had talked about in our review, our almost three-hour review, mind you, <laughs> that, um, that I had to come around on that one after I had to contextualize this version of Peter Parker, that Ben isn't necessarily in the picture. At least we don't know of any of mm-hmm. any sort of connection to him. We just know he exists in some capacity. Mm-hmm. Um, and that May is the one that kind of closes off and that arc and starts spite and starts this version of spider-man off on the path that he's going to take from here on out right yeah and i think it's just the the realization for us as the audience that like we are witnessing the three film or six film really origin story of peter parker like the culmination of the origin story as opposed to you know we were thinking from the start oh we're never gonna see Spidey's origin, they just kind of glossed over it. We're, we have to assume his origin had already happened. He's already learned these lessons. But mm-hmm. when that line hit and the, the next scenes that kind of doubled down on it and put you back in the emotions of Peter Parker, right. it just you realize that you are watching the origin unfold, unfold and conclude. Like right. the origin is done and you're like, oh, we just witnessed it. Like that was we right. witnessed the origin. <laughs> like it's over. <laughs> You're like, right. oh my god, I didn't know while I was in it. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> the origin were the friends we made along yeah. the way. <laughs> and to do it with a line that almost is like, even in our preview, you and I were like, oh, I don't know if they really need to say it. Like, it might be cool if it comes from Toby or something. Mm-hmm. But then to have us here debating it as the best line of the year in the MCU across like nine or ten properties, it's amazing, pretty amazing. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Um, just to, just a little shout out to the glorious purpose. A yeah. lot of that that I, that just thematically resonates with Grant's character arc in that in, in that one episode he yeah. was in the entire arc that he <laughs> went through in one episode, <laughs> and his delivery of it while Elias is just tearing him apart, just 
killed me. It's it's so good. It I just want to go back and just watch that one episode when we're done recording. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but I think out of those three, I do have to go with Maze. There must uh, with great power. There must also come great responsibility. Um, shout out to the other two that we we had up there as well. Uh, I've been wanting to clip your wings for a long time from Fastos from the Eternals. And then that was Thena, uh, I think, wasn't it? Or was it Fastos? No, it was Fastos. Oh, hmm. yeah, it was whenever he was he was starting to wind up uh, one of his attacks on Icarus. Um, and another one which was a personal favorite of mine was the kid show some respect when you talk to me. I've eaten more salt than you've eaten rice in your entire life. Yeah, by, by, by Wen Wu. That's the actual uh, Chinese line that he's speaking, uh, but the translation doesn't come out doesn't work out that well. So it's, mm-hmm. it's a little bit different inside whenever it's translated, but um, I absolutely love. <laughs> yeah, it is. Uh, it's legendary. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I'd say we go with the, with great power. There must also come great responsibility. So best line goes to may Parker from Spider-Man. No way home with great power. There must also come great responsibility. All right. Our next category, biggest laugh. We only have two picked out for this, and I feel like we're going to be battling this one out a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, my pick for this was Trevor's Planet of the Apes pit from Chon Chi. Mm-hmm. Your pick was the three Spideys conversation from Spider-Man No Way Home. Yeah. <laughs> I just liked the, the fan service-y parts of that conversation when they're talking about their histories that are like kind of shared but not really shared, <laughs> where... Yeah. Um, Tom Spider-Man's talking about being in space. Toby's talking about aliens and Garfield's like, you guys fought aliens. <laughs> and he talks about the guy in a, in a, uh, in a rhinoceros machine. <laughs> just the, in talking about the web shooters and it, it just was, it was really good. Yeah. When, I mean, when, when we talked about this, I said that, 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 that conversation alone, that five minutes was well worth a 15 year wait from mm-hmm. seeing McGuire on stream from, from the last time. Um, but just to me that like, well, also shout out to the whole Kingo being his own grandfather thing from the Eternals. Yeah, I forgot to mark one. that as well. That's one of my favorite jokes in the entire MCU at this point. Mm-hmm. The the Planet of the Apes bit from, from Sean Chi is one of my favorites as well. And going back and rewatching it, I still think it's up there because it... There's no as much as I like the fan service in Spider-Man No Way Home. This was just generally stupidly funny that Trevor thought that monkeys were actually being trained to be up on horses. Never realized they were actually <laughs> actors in monkey mm-hmm. suits. And seeing him seeing him deliver this Ben Kingsley deliver this bit again and again just it hasn't worn off on me yet. Um, and even uh, in an interview. I forget which screenwriter it was. He said that when he wrote it, he said, that's, that's gold. I'm leaving it in there. I, <laughs> I have not written anything better than that joke. <laughs> I mean, it, it's funny looking back because that is the, the funniest MCU property we got this year. Right. I think, yeah. I mean, it, it's hard to even pick the funniest moment from that. And I think you and I debated that quite a bit because I mean, some of the parts with Wong and the karaoke, they're they're just killers and a lot of Aquafina's lines like just so good, unbelievable, unbelievably hilarious. Like I, I just remember laughing so much during that movie. Um. So yeah, I mean, I 
looking at that and knowing it was our top choice from Shang-Chi and that being the funniest movie in the MCU almost makes me <laughs> want to just give it to it to recognize the, the comedy in that. I'll have to go back and revisit that specific bit, but I do remember, you know, cracking up quite a bit during that. Yeah, Jesus, he, he's talking. It's Trevor talking about what made him want to become an actor. Yeah, and watching Planet of the Apes, <laughs> they can train. If if they can train monkeys to sit up on a horse, well, then what can I do? <laughs> Kills me every time. It's just Ben Kingsley playing it as straight as possible, and it's just oh my god, I I. I lose it. So then, so biggest laugh goes to Trevor's Planet of the Apes bit from Sean Chi. Mm-hmm. All right, the Fury Award. We have three chatter or three nominees for this. Uh, we have Charlie Cox as Matt Murdock in Spider-Man: No Way Home. Julia Louise Dreyfus from Falcon and the Winter Soldier as uh, Contessa Valentina. Valentina Allegra de La Fontaine. Thank you. I, I can never call her Val, but don't call her Val. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then we have Mahershala Ali from Eternals. So my pick right out the gate was Mahershala, just because it was a shocker that nobody saw it coming. Granted, it was a voiceover off screen. That's the only reason I, I threw yeah. it. I I picked it was I got really excited when I heard Blade pop up. Yeah, and that was probably as. As hit and miss as Eternals is, that was probably the, one of the biggest highlights. It was the post credit scene of Hearing Blade. <laughs> yeah, that, I mean, that was one that was completely surprising. It, it it took me a little while to figure out. Like, I think yeah. when you and I saw it together, I was kind of questioning who that was. And we sat there and talked about it for a few minutes before I figured out who it was. Yeah. Um, and even, so that even like the couple in front of us were like, who is that? Yeah. That didn't like completely detract from it for me, but the fact mm-hmm. that I had to like think for a few yeah. minutes to figure out who it was was a little bit of a bummer. I wish they could have worked it out to where they showed him, you know? Yeah, yeah. That so is do a I. that is a recognizable look. Like if someone <laughs> saw that, they'd be like, "Wait a minute, Blade!" <laughs> like instantly, <laughs> without him even saying a word. So, um, thanks to Wesley Snipes. Um, but. I mean, for me, it actually, and I'm weighing this more on like the surprise factor for myself than anything else. Um, and to me, it was Julia Louise Dreyfus and Falcon and the Winter Soldier as Val. Um, as much as I love Charlie Cox coming back as Daredevil and, well, that Matt Murdock, it was a fan service thing. And it kind of felt like it was out there beforehand. <laughs> like, I didn't expect yeah. it going in. But, you know, with kingpin coming back that same week you kind of saw where they were going with this and that made all those rumors seem a little more credible but val showing up like kind of mid-season in falcon the winter soldier and being played by julia louise dreyfus i think if it was any other actress or actor playing that type of role we wouldn't have questioned it as like we'd have been like that's just some weird side character for this show or something but the fact that they got Mm -hmm. someone of that caliber for one scene and another one in the finale was you knew they were starting to build to something bigger. And I think that was really exciting to see, you know, just being a Marvel fan because we like when they build the things and the idea that we don't have any clue where it's going. We can theorize that it might be Thunderbolts might be something else might be Mm -hmm. secret invasion. I I don't know. But the fact that we're still speculating today is a lot of fun for me because it Mm -hmm. seems like so many things in the MCU, we can kind of 
map out and predict and see where things are the direction certain things are headed but that it's like what are we still doing with that and where are we going so uh in in addition to that she also like just chews up the scenes that she's in completely like she like Dreyfus is Louise Dreyfus is having a blast with yeah. this role and even like I think it was on the set of Veep uh some of her co-stars were saying that when she found out about the role she wouldn't stop shut she wouldn't shut up about about <laughs> doing it <laughs> but you just tell she just she is gonna have fun with this role and I've been I've been re-watching Seinfeld uh so I'm getting a lot more of her in my life right now so yeah. it's a uh, I can tell that she's she's just relishing this opportunity to have some fun. And I just um, remember like verbally being like Julia Louise Dreyfus, like <laughs> while watching Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Like that just the fact that they kept it under wraps too, with how many things leak nowadays right. for films and you know the MCU in particular, just because it's such a rabid fan base. <laughs> like right. to have that shrouded mystery, and then to watch the um the black the assembled no the oh, assembled yeah. of Falcon and the Winter Soldier where they show how they like smuggled her onto set like in this huge coat and like <laughs> it's just hilarious like the lengths that they went to to keep it under wraps uh if we're talking surprises though we didn't we didn't put him in the nominees but i i almost want to throw him into the ring right now and that's evan peters from wandavision yeah because i and i'm mad we didn't have this podcast whenever we did the show or whenever the show came out but when Evan Peters came up, we're like, oh, so they're they're crossing over the X-Men now, right? And I remember distinctly texting you saying, what if he's just another resident of the town? <laughs> and oh, he was. <laughs> it was all for a boner joke, man. <laughs> it was all for a boner joke. And I, I was kind of happy that they trolled fans that way. Does that also, like, that also, like, uh, somehow in, in my mind, like played into these themes of reality versus fiction of like what what we're expecting versus what the what the showrunners yeah. want us to expect and what what the payoff really is like we we all wanted that we all wanted that to be Pietro and I'm and just part of me thought that no no he's no <laughs> it's too it's like too obvious and so yeah. and I, I like think that was they... such a, such a twist and only, the thing is only my my brother had has not seen the X-Men movies. So he didn't know that was Quicksilver from the X-Men movies. He knows Evan Peters as a TV star from American Horror Story. So to take Evan Peters TV star and pull him into a TV show yeah. and to pull Quicksilver from the X-Men canon and pull him into this more this MCU property, I think is one of the most brilliant crossovers <laughs> I've seen. Not to mention, like, not just AHS, but I've seen Evan Peters pop up and other stuff on TV. So, like, he's known in the TV universe. Yeah. You know? uh, Yeah. And it it was, I would say that episode is where the idea started kicking around in my head to do a podcast with the amount of time we texted each other about, like, theories about, especially, I mean, WandaVision as a whole, because we started the podcast, like, right after that. We had a two-week break or something between that and Falcon and Winter Soldier where we decided to do this. Mm-hmm. But it was just kind of our first hint at the multiverse discussions, right? Mm-hmm. Like that we we had already had rumors of the multiverse plots of No Way Home at that point. Right. We knew that the next place we'd see Wanda was Multiverse of Madness. Like, and here's a character that was played by this actor in a different reality of Marvel, mm-hmm. <laughs> like playing the same character, it, it made us 
it broke our brains. And I think one of the reasons we didn't really put him on the Easter egg is because he stuck around for half the show. He was there until <laughs> You know, the, like, I almost would consider him a supporting actor. Um, which, you know, unfortunately, that show was just loaded with <laughs> talented supporting <laughs> actors. Uh, Randall Park, Tiana Paris, Catherine Hahn, like, that had a very good supporting cast there. But, yeah, I mean, that was... That was a moment, <laughs> and Disney and Marvel kind of owned that moment. And while WandaVision was on, they kind of owned the the water cooler talk too, <laughs> you know, because of moments like that. I mean, the WandaVision was peppered with throughout, and all the Mephisto speculation, and mm-hmm. yeah, good good times. I'm getting nostalgic so- thinking about it because we just we just passed the one year anniversary of the premiere date of WandaVision like last week, I think. So yeah, I think so pretty crazy so are we giving it to evan peters then just based off because i I don't think you can consider him a cameo in the way that these other ones are you know (sighs) yeah i guess that's true like i i I look at charlie cox doing what he did with one scene julia louise dreyfus was three scenes spread over two properties Mm -hmm. mahershala ali was a sentence voiced (laughs) (laughs) like i don't think it's fair to take evan peters with the amount of time that he had yeah that's fair and yeah, I, I guess I just want to give him. But I, think I guess it, I just wanted to give him some some room on this show. Yeah, because I think we didn't really have a chance about. to talk about him. I know. Um, God, it would have so been so fun to do the podcast during WandaVision. Those episodes oh, would have been four hours long. We wouldn't be able to constrain <laughs> ourselves. Well, that, I mean, Falcon and Winter Soldier were two to two and a half hours each. Yeah, and, and I mean, we were just cut, learning to cut our teeth on uh, on how to do this properly. Yeah, like you said, we uh, we wouldn't have stopped. <laughs> yep, we would not have been able to to contain it. So, Julia Louise Dreyfus, then? I think so, unless you have a a strong disagree. No, I out of those three, I can't really disagree with that one. Um, as much as I love Charlie Cox, that was like you said, that was all fan service, and Mahershala Ali. As much as I was excited for that for that cameo to just drop out of nowhere. I was I I can't really disagree with you seeing her just pop up on screen, especially when we didn't have any context for her, like yes. we were supposed to. Yeah, I think like, that made it more interesting because it was more like a WTF, like what yeah. <laughs> what is right. happening? Yeah, and I think even if she would, if the first place we saw her was the Black Widow post credit scene, it's we still would have gotten that. Oh, for like, sure. Like what's going on here? Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, but yeah, just to see her getting extended cameo in falcon the winter soldier kind of kind of give us some stuff to speculate and chew on i think is a is a good um it's it's she's a good choice for this category Mm -hmm. so the fury award goes to julia louis dreyfus for playing val in falcon and the winter soldier so that takes us then to our best easter egg category so we have uh we have four nominees for this right now we have Zat Cherry as Clev and Sean Chi. Uh, we have the DC references from Eternals. We have Thro- Frog Thor and Loki. And then we have the Rockefeller Center Al and Hawkeye. Frog Thor. <laughs> <laughs> I always want to narrow it down to that or the Al just immediately. Yeah, I mean, the Zach Cherry was cool to see if, as Clev. So for those who didn't listen to our Shang-Chi review, um, one, how dare you, but two... Uh, <laughs> Zach Cherry returned as Clev, who was the do a flip guy in Spider-Man Homecoming. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of, he just seems to be around 
superheroes in different cities, which is interesting. I want to say that they added his voice in, into a scene in, in No Way Home. Really? It sound, I, I should have sworn I heard his voice somewhere. Maybe it was just me wanting to hear him pop up and maybe <laughs> wanting and to... dreaming for Clev. <laughs> yeah, like like maybe we get some sort of new cameo like we had with Stan Lee cameos, except this time <laughs> it's Zach Cherry and everything. <laughs> um, But yeah, and then the, uh, the DC references in Eternals, that... The amount of hoops that the that the legal team probably had to jump through to allow something like that, <laughs> I I almost got to, to I almost have to give them or commend them for the efforts to just throw a Batman reference out there out of the blue or a Superman reference out there. I mean, thematically Multiple. it works for for what Eternals was going for. So, and also just to hear you say out loud, "This broke my brain in the theater." <laughs> <laughs> As soon as they mentioned like Superman, I think they were about Alfred. <laughs> I can't remember which which time it was, but there were a few few references yeah. that that broke me. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, just to me, uh, thematically, that was an Easter egg that worked on a on a much higher level than just being fan service. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the only reason I threw it in there as a nomination. But the um, the fraud Thor and Rockefeller owl like fraud Thor. We kind of predicted we would see coming. I mean, are all of the scenes in the void are filled with Easter eggs. Yeah. And just to see fraud Thor finally pop up, jumping up for his little Mjolnir was like, it was a nice little nod. Yeah. To me though, like the Rockefeller owl is just, it's so weird and stupid, but like it, I don't know. It just, because it's like a, a recent discovery that there was a, an owl living in the tree and they just decided to throw him in there for mm-hmm. fun. And also he played into a bit later on in the in the fight scene. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I almost want to give it to the owl just on that alone. See, the thing that pushes Frog Thor to the top for me is the fact that they got Chris Hemsworth to come back in to record oh, yeah, new right. dialogue for it. You're right. And you they barely did. even, I don't even think it spoke in English. It was just like grunts and stuff. But they had Hemsworth actually come in to do the, the dialogue. Right. Which I forgot to me about is that just, portion of it. Is just so good like they didn't have to do that but they did it for us <laughs> and that's the definition of an easter egg right like they didn't have to do this for us but they did <laughs> yeah yeah i guess so so yeah i guess let's give it to, to fraud thor then i don't want to debate this one too long <laughs> yeah because our next category is gonna be a doozy i think yeah so best easter egg goes to fraud thor from loki all right, this next one is going to be tough. Um, we might be here a while on this one. So mm-hmm. best supporting actor. I'm just trying to go down and list everybody that we have listed here, and then I'm, I'll list off our nominees specifically. So we have Catherine Hahn for WandaVision, Owen Wilson for Loki, Wyatt Russell for Falcon and the Winter Soldier, Tony Leon from Shang-Chi, Andrew Garfield from Spider-Man No Way Home, Hamish Patel from Eternals, Florence Pugh from Hawkeye, and David Harbour from Black Widow. So we narrowed it down to Catherine Hahn, Owen Wilson, Tony Leon, Andrew Garfield, and Florence Pugh. Uh, David Harbour, we didn't really have a chance to... Uh, we didn't do a- awards for Black Widow. That was more of a straightforward review, so we just figured he would be... Uh, being that we talked about it after... <laughs> Hawkeye came out. Yeah. We didn't want to have Florence Pugh in there twice, so we decided to give it to David <laughs> Harbour for Black Widow. We, we would have. We love David Harbour. I love David yes. Harbour in Black Widow. 
but I would have given Florence Pugh the best supporting actor. And she, you could almost make an argument. She's a co-lead. I don't think I would make that argument, but I think her as best supporting actor for Black Widow fits, but we didn't want to list her twice. And right. that just speaks volumes to Florence Pugh. <laughs> yeah. Um, for me, out of out of this category, I think they all were incredible. Yeah. And what's really exciting is every single one was a new addition to the MCU this year. Yes. Like we had no Benedict Cumberbatch for mm-hmm. uh, No Way Home, no way right? Home. I mean, it was Andrew Garfield who's returning, but still, you know, technically new to the MCU. Um, you know, we didn't have, I'm trying to think if there were any other, uh, potential candidates that had already been in shows but you know what i mean it's these are all brand new additions to the mcu and just kind of speaks to the one the talent that they're bringing into the mcu Mm. these days and two the just the quality of the content we got this year and the quality of what the future of the mcu looks like right so just just really excited overall but the two that are standouts to me are florence Pugh and and tony leung out of this group um, See, as much I'm as so... I loved Catherine Hahn, as much as I loved Loki, uh, Owen Wilson and Loki, <laughs> it's tough. But those two just stand out to me <laughs> as exceptional. I agree. It's just, oh, I, I, I'm torn between Florence Pugh, Tony Leone, and Andrew Garfield. Um, yeah, like you said, I'm, I have no complaints about Catherine Hahn as Agatha. I'm happy we're getting a whole Agatha series now. Mm-hmm. And we're getting more of her. Um, I'm excited for season two of Loki. I'm, I have to assume we're getting a lot more of Mobius. I, I just, I almost want an entire Mobius series just for more Owen Wilson. Yeah. Um, like those two just absolutely nailed it. And mm-hmm. just because we're not picking them doesn't mean there's anything wrong with those two. I, it's just that's they're both very hard to take to say no to. Um, to me. I almost instinctively want to give it to Florence Pugh just because we had to knock her out of Black Widow to the Black Widow spot to put her on the Hawkeye list. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, she basically owned this, this category for the um, for 2021. But I want to explore Tony Leon and Andrew Garfield a little bit. First of all, Andrew Garfield's peter parker this is like a a whole renaissance for him i mean in our preview for no way home i talked about how i went back and rewatched, and even in the um i think even in the raimi uh discussion that we had with Vinny, i had said that the garfield movies weren't that great he's too pretty to be peter parker and he's too uh uh it was too um too emo-ish in a way Mm -hmm. um and Seeing this version or the same character played out seven years later, grown up and matured, I buy it now. Like, yeah, and I I still don't think think those movies are great. It's hard to go back to them, but to see this version of this character recontextualized, and I talked about this in our review, seeing Andrew Garfield work through some personal stuff in. <laughs> in mm-hmm. no way home itself like it in real time like it, i almost want to give it to him on that fact alone that we're now in essentially 
the extension of the Garfield Assance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do feel like I'm seeing him pop up everywhere. And well, part I mean, of that it is... seems like every day there's a new um, rumor about him coming back to the Spider-Man <laughs> franchise in yeah. one way or another, just purely well, based on fan demand. Well, I think part of that's also in, Aust- in the Oscar campaign for Tit Tit Boom. Yeah, which was um, amazing. Yeah, so... And obviously, people are going to ask him about about Spider Man now that it's out. Uh-huh. But um, just because this has given us a, a a brand new look, a fresh look, and a new start for Garfield's Spider Man, I almost have to tie it with Florence Pugh for that reason. Tony Leone and Sean Chi, that char- the character of Wen Wu had a lot of work to do to make up for the sins of the MCU. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize just purely how complicated that character was in the MCU alone. I mean, it, the Mandarin isn't referenced in the Iron Man movies, but the 10 Reigns are referenced in multiple ways until Iron Man three, where we get Trevor Slattery's our, our, Trevor Slattery's Mandarin. And then we realize that he's not the Mandarin and then find out guy Pierce used or uh, Aldrich Chillian used him as a, as a pawn. And, it's a very weird and complicated history in both the comets and the MCU itself. Yeah. Tony Leon played this character to perfection. You can, I, he is so freaking, I'm trying to censor myself here. He's so freaking good at his craft that I want more of him. And unfortunately we're not going to get more of him because of how Sean Chi ends. Um, unless we get flashbacks of some sort, uh-huh. but I think that he gave us one of the definitive villains of the MCU, one of the best villains of the MCU, and oh, to bring in and to bring in the and to bring in one of like the the stars of of Hong Kong cinema, bring him into the MCU and kind of give some new life and some new di- and some diversity and some new insight into what these characters can can be. I think deserves a lot of uh, deserves a lot of praise and accolades. <laughs> definitely, definitely. But with all of that said about uh, Leon and, and Garfield, I think if we're going based off of what the idea of a best supporting actor is, and, the, and that she just kind of stole the <laughs> stole Black Widow and Hawkeye from the leads in a way. Uh, we almost have to give it to Florence Pugh in this. She kind of owned the MCU in 2021, took over the role of Yelena, and like embodied this character to yeah <laughs> to the nth degree. I, I I genuinely can't see anybody else in this role. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think you know, kind of soliding solidifying that across two performances <laughs> mm-hmm. is definitely noteworthy. So I'm good with going with Florence Pugh here for Best Supporting Actor. All right. Next category, Best Direction. Uh, our nominees are Matt Shackman for WandaVision, Kate Heron for Loki, Destin Daniel Cretton for Sean Chi, Chloe Zhao for Eternals, and John Watts for No Way Home. Uh, that's a tough one. <laughs> Where do you want to go? I think my top three are probably going to be Matt Shackman for WandaVision. Kate Heron for Loki and Destin Daniel Cretton for Shang-Chi. Okay. It's really hard to leave John Watts off of the list. Um, you know, I could see an argument for Chloe Zhao as well, but I think 
as good as her contributions were to that movie, I think looking at the finished product and how strong the other nominees were, you know, Mm -hmm. front to back is noteworthy, you know? Yeah, and I personally, I wanted to put Chloe Zhao in in there for Best Direction because I I don't think anyone else could make an Eternals movie, per se. Especially, so I saw a pretty good argument for this, that the direction was not the problem with that movie. A lot of it had to do with just the amount of characters that were involved, that we didn't get to spend a lot of time with each individual character. Like Mm -hmm. It should have been played out over a series. Yeah, it felt like the editing was one of the bigger problems in that movie. Yeah, so, um, and, and, and that's kind of more of a Marvel problem overall, I would say. It's not necessarily her vision that's the problem, because she's known for, in both The Rider and Nomadland, uh, for making individuals who might not necessarily be uh be relatable and i think to take a (laughs) a story about these immortal beings and ground them to a humanistic level to where we can relate to them that would be her forte like Mm -hmm. i don't know if you could have picked somebody else the problem comes in the story itself so I just wanted to give Chloe Zhao a shout out on that because her direction I thought was was very good and um I I just wanted to throw that out there. Uh, if we're talking top three, I would go Destin Daniel Cretton, Kate Heron, and probably John Watts. Hmm, interesting. Yeah, I actually as we're going through this, I was thinking Matt Shackman for my number one pick. <laughs> <laughs> But go ahead and, and talk see, about it. See, to me, Kate Heron um, making Loki, or seeing the behind, seeing the uh, assembled of Loki, and seeing all the decisions they made of building up this this uh, this whole bureaucracy, and like seeing this, seeing how they designed sets to make it look like uh, there were people overwatching Loki, and like this whole idea of the timekeepers being this unworldly otherworldly presence that oversaw everything. We had talked about uh, the ideas of free will and, and, and individual freedom. And um, a lot of big brother 1984 talk when we talked about Loki and they had talked about that quite a bit, mm-hmm. I, I think in the, in the assembled. And I, I liked how they integrated a lot of those ideas into the show itself, into the themes of the show, into pretty much every, every aspect of it. Um, I'm disappointed that she's not coming back for season two. I would like, yeah. I would like to see what else she has to do or what else she can contribute. Um, Destin Daniel Cretton, wore his influences on his sleeve for this and for Sean Chi and going, this is probably recency bias with all of this, but I can't give enough praise to how original and fresh this movie felt. Even going back and watching it two weeks ago, it doesn't feel like it still doesn't feel like a Marvel movie. It feels like a seventies or nineties or two thousands Kung Fu action movie. Yeah. With it some does. Marvel elements in it. So, like, to me, it just, it speaks a lot to his vision and direction of saying, we're not going to go the regular Marvel route. Now, granted, it does still end in a giant CGI battle between two dragons. Mm-hmm. But 
we had talked about this in the review, how it kind of plays into this, the idea, how the, the dragon's trying to play into this Eastern Western notion of what a dragon is. Yeah. Um, I can't really find any faults in that, in, in that vision. Um, so just me personally, wearing your influences on your sleeve and really just diving into this character's character's history problems and all and coming out with the product that did as well as making it did it break a billion or it came close to breaking a billion um i actually don't know there. what the final numbers were because i i hadn't paid a ton of attention due to the pandemic like yeah but any but regardless i know it came i know it broke the box office the weekend it came out so i really do have to give it to cretin in my mind yeah, four hundred and thirty-two million. Which you know, in okay. a pandemic, okay. as, uh, as that was it. that was massive. I mean, that's a yeah. that's a huge opening. And we saw you know Spider-Man break a billion, but it's Spider-Man, <laughs> right? Um, it this category really depends on what you're looking for and what impresses you the most, right? Like, right. Destin Daniel Cretton was able to make a MCU kung fu film, and like you said, wear his influences on his sleeve. And really get that across that it it's like a love letter to that genre. <clears throat> and then Kate Heron had to design this entire world. And really a lot of what succeeded in Loki was kind of like that ominous presence, like that 1984 mm-hmm. type, like, right. like you mentioned. Um, so that's a more like carefully curated world that was designed for Loki. Whereas Matt Shackman in WandaVision, it's more of a jack of all trades like he's jumping from directing episodes in a completely different style every week and giving each thing its own distinct kind of look and feel and um you know a lot of the the characters performance performances as well probably comes down to direction too because that that has to be pretty difficult to try to get all of your actors aligned to hey we're in the 50s now we're in the 60s now we're in the 70s now and you know, right. the decisions that uh, I'm sure weren't only Matt Shackman, but to film some of it in front of a live studio audience was a really cool decision to actually, you know, go and do that to to get the actors in that headspace. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think I think it's it's hard to argue Destin Daniel Cretton. I mean, the, there's a lot that succeeds about this movie, and a lot of it comes from his passion for the martial arts kung fu films right and mm-hmm. i think that resulted in just a rock solid movie <laughs> i mean to hammer that point home even more first of all they took they took move sets straight out of jackie chan's movies and put them in here and apparently for the sequel they want jackie chan to to be in it in mm-hmm. some capacity yeah and i think another thing too from watching the assembled it's like having to navigate and coordinate the shoots through the pandemic seemed like a huge challenge for Shang-Chi. Yeah. Like right. they multiple months of shutdown. They, I think they said that the bus sequence took like 60 days for them to film or something insane. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just a physically demanding film to direct, right? Like mm-hmm. the, to have to coordinate all of these stunts. And I know he's not the stunt coordinator, but uh, directors provide a lot of input on that. Um, right. So, yeah, I think I'm definitely good with putting him here for best direction. All right. 
Best Screenplay. Our nominees are, for WandaVision, we have Laura Donnie for Previously On. For Loki, we have Michael Waldron and Eric Martin for All Time Always. For Sean Chi, we have Dave Callahan, Desto Daniel Crenton, and Andrew Lanham. And for Spider-Man No Way Home, we have Chris McKenna and Eric Somers. It's another tough one. Yeah. <laughs> I think for me, it's between WandaVision and Loki. Those, would those two specific so episodes. Well. Um, you know, previously on, we had it as one of our best lines, the what is grief, if not love, persevering. Mm-hmm. But just the the pacing in that episode is really strong and it's incredibly well written from Wanda's perspective to give us a lot of good insight into our grief without making it too heavy in the exposition. Mm -hmm. Right. And I I think that was a big strength there. Um, And then speaking of exposition, the finale of Loki (laughs) for time for all time always was just such a weird curveball of a finale for, for a show like this. Um, Mm -hmm. And to have to write a character like Kang for the first time <laughs> is a very tough task, I feel. And a lot of that, a lot of that came from um, the performances, you know, the success that came from the performances. But there mm-hmm. is a a very fine line that is walked between, you know, seeming like a gratuitous exposition dump and actually being engaging, you know. <laughs> Like you have to, you have to get your points across to the audience when you're doing a huge explainer episode like this, but you have to make it interesting and intriguing. And they did that through the dialogue. And I was, you know, just kind of glued to the screen watching that finale. Yeah. I'd be curious if, if I'd be able to read a, a copy of the, of the screenplay for that episode or the teleplay for that episode, just to see how well, the the dialogue it reads in and of itself as opposed to just seeing the performances of it you know so mm-hmm. for example um i just listened to something today about uh reservoir dogs since we're on the 30 year anniversary of it and that entire movie takes place within a warehouse in one setting and mm-hmm. it's essentially a stage play um the hateful eight's kind of the same way hmm. um but that screenplay in and of itself is captivating from beginning to end mm-hmm. i'd be curious to see we if I don't know if Disney ever does that, if you can see the screenplays for specific episodes, seeing this one specifically and seeing how well that dialogue plays out alone mm-hmm. uh, between Kane and the two Lotis, uh, or between Loki and Sylvie. Sorry. Um, as for previously on, that that's an entire character there's an entire character arc in that one episode alone yeah where we see wanda's origin all the way up to where she decides that she's going to create this new reality for herself Mm -hmm. and instead of dealing with her grief in a healthy way she decides to dive into what's possibly one of the worst possible choices she could make to deal with that grief Mm-hmm. Right. So uh, to me personally, I think previously on would stand, could possibly stand alone on as one episode. You could probably watch it out of context and it would still work mm-hmm. for all time. Always might still work, but there's a lot of work that leads up to that finale, you know? Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, 
for WandaVision, one of the more underrated aspects of that episode is the antagonizing by Agatha in between right. all of the scene changes too. Like that helps like kind of bring you back to what's going on in the current, you know, timeline and, mm-hmm. and where we are in the present with Agatha kind of poking around Wanda for information and us starting to kind of piece together things along with Agatha was really mm-hmm. just a, it, it was so well done, you know, from a direction and from a, a writing standpoint. So, I mean, it, it sounds like you're Team WandaVision here, and I think I am too. Yeah, yeah, I have to agree. So that that pretty much ends it for our main categories. So let's just recap real quick. We have Best Lead Actor going to Elizabeth Olsen for WandaVision. Best Fight Scene was the Spider-Man Green Goblin fight at the end of No Way Home. Best Line goes to With Great Power, There Must Also Come Great Responsibility by from May Parker and Spider-Man No Way Home. Best biggest laugh goes to Trevor's Planet of the Apes bit from Sean Chi. The Fury Award was given to Julia Louis Dreyfus for Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Best Easter egg was Fraud Thor from Loki. Best supporting actor was Florence Pugh from Hawkeye. Best direction was Destin Daniel Cretton from Sean Chi, with Sean Chi. And best screenplay went to previously on by Laura Donnie for WandaVision. So that leads us to kind of our last three discussions, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, first of which is going to be our most anticipated for 2022. And this is just kind of a personal preference of what you think your your best is going to be before we get into what's arguably the two biggest awards. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for me, I mean, maybe it's just because it's so close, but it, it's Multiverse of Madness. Um, from the moment it was announced, I think I was most excited for this just because of the promise of the madness. <laughs> like <laughs> I, I like when the MCU dips into crazy. Uh, my runner-up will be Love and Thunder. So you know if that tells you anything about what I'm looking forward to this year, <laughs> I I'm just expecting some off-the-wall stuff from Multiverse of Madness. I mean, I've seen some rumors that are out there that are just absolutely wild. I don't want to mention them on the show in case they're yeah. actually true um, because it is not the is. type of thing they will reveal in trailers. Um, but no. there are just, it, it seems like that movie is going to be wild and I don't know exactly where it's going to go or what state it's going to leave the MCU in after it. How about you? No, I, I, I completely agree. Instinctively, without even thinking about it, I want to say Multiverse of Madness. Um, it's Sam Raimi returning to the comic to comic books mm. and yep. and doing a Marvel property again. Uh, but the, <laughs> the the news that keeps breaking and one of the stories I saw today was that he doesn't even know what the uh, what the status of Multiverse of Madness is at this point um, because Marvel builds in so many reshoots every on every production. Um, apparent, but that story is being blown out of proportion a little, a little too much in my mm-hmm. opinion. He, uh, he said that they just had a, a, a test screen done, a test like version done to start screening to audiences mm-hmm. and Marvel's known for like tweaking things up to the day, uh, day before release. So I'm not surprised that it pretty much everything's on schedule. Right. Um, I just find it funny that new that news uh outlets are starting to report that oh no we don't know how much longer multiverse of madness really has in production um but and ramey 
being the prankster that he is, is kind of playing into that all, all that hype a little bit too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so yeah, just, just for the raminess of it alone, I want to say multiverse of madness immediately. And because it's the next major entry we're getting, um, Thor love and thunder though, I think is <laughs> my, is at, is at the top for me. I know in our phase four preview, I talked it up constantly and I just want to see how weird it gets. Yeah. I, my, like, I finally watched Hunt for Hunt for the Wilder People a few weeks. Uh, oh, like did you? Two, like two months ago. I've been wanting to check that one out. It's very good, and I just like did. Did I send you the the trailer for the new pirate show that Taika's I, producing? You didn't send it to me, but I I watched it a few days like, ago. <laughs> Rise Darby playing a pirate. Yeah, and like and like Taika Waititi playing another. Like he's producing it, and he's in the show, and I. I just I want to give all of my all my trust over to this man and what he can do. Mm-hmm. Um, Radnorock, we're going to get in our rankings a little bit later, but Radnorock is in my top three still. Um, and I just I want to see how weird he can get. The fact that we're getting Russell Crowe for a cameo alone is like just just blows my mind. Yeah, Gore the God Butcher is a main character in the MCU now. Just makes me so happy. Mm-hmm. Played by Christian Bale of all people. Yep. Um, it's almost like. Have you been watching the Peacemaker series? I haven't yet. No. Oh. I I want to. I mean, I've seen the opening credits because who hasn't at this point? <laughs> and I have the the title song on a Spotify playlist. So. It's so good. <laughs> yeah. So I I almost want it to just be as crazy as that show is, mm-hmm. and let's just Thor is supposed to be a weird character. Let's just embrace it even more than we already did in Ragnarok. That's why I think I got I got to make Love and Thunder my my most anticipated just to see like how weird it can mm-hmm. get. Yeah, it's going to be a ride. <laughs> it's going to be a ride. So that leads us to our last two categories, and we're going to pick the best series and best picture. So best series, we have WandaVision, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, Loki, What If, and Hawkeye. I've I've got to give it to Loki with a Wanda, uh, WandaVision as a runner-up. I think I do, too. I mean, those those were the two standouts for me. I think they diverted most from the norm, too, and they were the most out there. Um, mm-hmm. WandaVision and Loki, uh, all these shows, I think, are special in their own ways, and I loved and enjoyed all of them. But I think Loki and WandaVision were kind of just like that next tier <laughs> of, of yeah. MCU greatness. Yeah, it felt like... WandaVision was stretched out to nine episodes. I feel like there were parts of it that kind of like some of the stuff outside of the outside of the West outside yeah. of Westview kind of dragged for me. Mm-hmm. So I in Loki, there's almost nothing I would cut from it. Mm-hmm. Was it six or seven episodes? Right. And it is like it's quick. Airtight. It's quick. It It's tight. There's nothing in that story I would take out and it works essentially a hundred percent of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and it do, they, they both deal with similar themes in different ways too. Um, Wanda's is a little more creative, but Loki's I think is a little more, um, introspective. Right. Overall, even for mm-hmm. the MCU itself, introducing the multiverse and, um, even like we had just talked about, even the finale being as original as it is of having 
granted it does have a giant cgi battle right before the finale but Mm -hmm. for the finale to be an exposition dump and for it to be intriguing i think is just a, a is just a an achievement yeah yeah can't argue that so it looks like our best series of 2021 is loki what if also happened this year? I don't think we mentioned that on this whole show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I for what if I I liked it. Um, it didn't blow me away. Um, no. outside of maybe like one or two episodes that were, you know, legitimately pretty intriguing. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm excited to see what they do in season two. I I hope they get more into the story of the week type things and not so much in the overall tying everything together i think that's where it kind of fell down for me i mean i mean i did even put in the the best fight category when we were putting this together the the captain marvel versus party thor fight uh uh-huh. that was a fun fight but yeah it was a fun time but it, it's not it's nothing in comparison mm-hmm. to the other three we talked right. about yeah so then best picture we had four movies released this year and that is black widow sean sheen the legend of the ten rings eternals and spider-man no way home spider-man no way home I was going to say Sean Chi. Were you? <laughs> Spider-Man saved cinema, man. <laughs> Let's hear it. Um I I mean how are we how are we calling it best picture? Like like what are we how are we defining best picture, I guess? Is what I mean. Convince me. Well, for me it's like what did I get the most enjoyment out of? And Spider-Man No Way Home was the the tightest three-hour movie i've ever seen or two and a half hour movie i mean i feel like it was expertly crafted written directed edited acted um to where i i can't imagine one scene i'd like to cut out of it i think you can maybe tighten some things out up um with you know sandman and lizard a little bit maybe Mm -hmm. but Overall, I mean, to to be able to do so much in a film, but to still bring it back to the core emotional connection that, you know, we've already established to Tom Holland's Peter was just so well done. And even some of the things we thought could be corny and could be pushing too hard into fan service territory weren't right. Like they it was a it's a fine balance that they had to strike with it. And they did. No, I, I won't I won't disagree with any of that. I think it is very fan servicey in the best ways possible. It, gave, it gives people everything they want without being overbearing about it or annoying about it. Um, just to me, Sean Chi, like I've said a couple times on this episode, it it had to do a lot of work to reestablish the Mandarin as a character in Wen Wu. Um, it it introduced a whole new character and introduced a whole new element to the MCU. There are some parts of it I would definitely clean up, like the whole thing with Razor Fist and even the whole car chase scene. Uh, it felt like a, a an ad for what was it? what were they driving a Toyota or a Kia? Like it's very obvious that that was sponsored. Um, just to me, the th- the the idea of one Wu as a villain. Uh, is being a family man who basically wants just wants to get, bring his family back together mm-hmm. and has to resort to his old ways to get to get it. it makes me believe that he is arguably the best villain of the MCU currently. Oh, and like I had said before, it was 
it felt original. It didn't feel like an MCU entry. It, it I, I, I always say this, but it wears its influences on its sleeve. It was a fun time. It's one of the funniest entries in the MCU. Um, the Katie character alone could be grading in the wrong hands, but Aquafina just absolutely nails it mm-hmm. and is one of the best aspects of it. Not to mention, this is truly the first millennial entry to the MCU we've gotten. <laughs> Everyone else has been a Gen Xer or or a, or arguably Gen Z with Tom Holland. <laughs> so, like, I have never related more to a character than I did with Sean and Katie <laughs> in, yeah. in this one, you know? That's a good point. So, um, yeah, so I don't know. Just to me personally, I find Sean Chi to be the more the more compelling entry overall. Uh, I mean, we could probably go fifteen rounds on, between Spider Man and Sean Chi. Mm-hmm. But what are your thoughts? I mean, I I can see I can see where you're coming with that, and I mean, I think part of what a best picture should be is standing alone too. You know, you you are always a big proponent of that, right? That's something that you hold in in high respect. Um, and I think that's one area where Shang-Chi has no way home beat, right? Is it is a very complete story from beginning to end and no way home is too, but I yeah, mean, no you still can't discount is. the fact that it starts immediately after the last movie, right? Like y- you understand time, what's going on. Right. Even if you didn't see that movie, like his identity right. is out there, you know, what is what's happening. But at the same time, it it does rely on the past movies and and character development to to really bring itself uh you know full circle and really have the impact for everyone that it had for me so i mean i'm i'm good with going with shang chi um i have them both i have them both high in my rankings overall anyways Uh, yeah same here i do have no way home slightly higher but i still think you know shang chi is a a pretty incredible movie. We're probably gonna get vilified by the fan bo- Spider Man fanboys for not <laughs> for not t- pitching that one. <laughs> we were going with Eternals, right? Oh no! <laughs> I thought uh, let there be carnage. Oh, that's right. That's the honorable mention, mm-hmm. though. Let there be carnage is the honorable mention. All right. So with that, with the first Infinities out of the way. I would say it was a good year, a great year overall. Definitely introduced us to new elements of the MCU that I didn't really know we wanted until we got them. It was mm-hmm. definitely a fun time. When we first saw Shang-Chi, I didn't expect it to be one of the best of, of the MCU, but it's one of my favorites personally now, um, after reflecting on it a little bit more. So, yeah, it was it was just a good year overall. So... You want to talk rankings before yeah, we, we sign sure, off? Yeah, sure. We can we can wrap with our rankings. Okay. So my uh, my current MCU film rankings, um, <laughs> and we now have twenty seven of these. <laughs> um, number twenty seven is the Incredible Hulk. Twenty six, Thor: The Dark World. Twenty five, Thor. Twenty four, Iron Man two. Twenty three, Ant Man and the Wasp. 22, Captain America, the first Avenger. 21, Ant-Man. 20, Iron Man 3. 19, Eternals. 18, Doctor Strange. 17, Captain Marvel. 16, Age of Ultron. 15, Black Widow. 14, Iron Man. 13, Guardians of the Galaxy 2. 12, Spider-Man Far From Home. 11, Captain America, the Winter Soldier. 
10, Spider-Man Homecoming. 9, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. 8, The Avengers. 7, Thor Ragnarok. 6, Black Panther. 5, Captain America Civil War. 4, Guardians of the Galaxy. 3, Spider-Man No Way Home. 2, Avengers Endgame. And number 1, Avengers Infinity War. Good stuff. So I do have to say, from the last time we talked about this, you and I had talked about this off air, but mm-hmm. my rankings changed somewhat significantly uh, in the top 10 since the last time we did this. All right, let's hear it. So <clears throat> your, our, our 14 through 27 are relatively the same, mm-hmm. except for one. Uh, so 27, I have Thor the Dark World, 26, Ant-Man and the Wasp, 25, Iron Man 2, 24, The Incredible Hulk, 23, The First Thor, 22, Captain America, The First Avenger, 21, Doctor Strange, 20, Captain Marvel, 19, Age of Ultron, 18, Ant-Man, 17, The Avengers, 16, Endgame, 15, Black Widow, 14, Eternals, 13, Homecoming, 12, Far From Home, 11, Guardians of the Galaxy, 10, Iron Man 3, 9, Civil War, 8, Infinity War, 7, Iron Man 1, 6, Guardians 2, here's where it gets interesting. Number five, Captain America, the Winter Soldier. Okay. No longer number one. Okay. Number four, Spider-Man, No Way Home. Number three, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. Mm. That has broken the top three. Number two, Black Panther. And number one, Thor Ragnarok. The one thing I couldn't stop focusing on, and I don't want to critique your list too much, but Eternals over Endgame? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm not I'm not backing down from that one. What? It had an original vision. What can oh. I say? Here we go. Yeah, I know, I know. I'm a, I'm a sn- I'm original snow. vision. <laughs> <laughs> if you pull enough parts away from a vision, is it really still the original vision? <laughs> and if you reconstruct it somewhere else. Well, with that, I think it's time we sign <laughs> off. <laughs> <clears throat> Uh, so we're gonna, we're going to be releasing some uh, some kind of off MCU content for the next couple episodes. Uh, we're not going to be releasing weekly for the next probably two months or so, probably every other week, mm-hmm. um, just with some personal stuff coming up, and because we're not getting any major MCU content until the end of March now with Moon Knight, uh, we will have a Moon Knight preview coming up. Uh, closer to that uh, and we'll be going i i wanted to do something a little different for one of our next episodes and i just wanted to recap my top 10 of 2021 just in general not just to the mcu um just wanted to try something different for once um so we'll be doing that it won't be nearly as long as one of these but try and change it up a little bit uh and then we have a few other episodes in mind so i think that's that just about does it all right. It's a great, great show. Thanks for joining us for our first uh, first award show. So with that, follow us on social media. Send us emails of what you think were the best of the year. And um, for John, I'm Jared. Thanks for listening, everybody. See you later. See you later.